And once you're ready to uh, read God's word, if you could please stand as able. Uh, if you're joining us at home, feel free to do this if you feel comfortable. Uh, but for those in person, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. And I will read the scripture for us, and then we, we will respond at the end with thanks be to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Over the next uh, few weeks, uh, along with our children, we are going to be going over Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, yeah, it's got a lot of things that, uh, you know, appeal to children, like cute little sheep, like we showed her earlier, um, that, that, that are really, it's nice imagery for children. But I think also for us, I don't want us to dismiss it thinking that it's only for kids. Um, Psalm 23 is something that Dallas Willard calls the kingdom heart. It's the psalm of the kingdom heart. And the kingdom is something that we have been talking about all year uh, because it is Jesus' central theme. It is the idea that God is the king, right? Which means that we are all in his kingdom and we are all under his control and we are all under his care. And in many ways, if that were true, Man, this world would be different, and we would be different, and our hearts would be different, our minds would be different, our nervous systems would be different. And Psalm 23 shows us what that should look like if God was completely in control. And friends, um, I I want us to get past thinking of the kingdom as just some kind of mental concept or just something you hear about that sounds nice, you know? It's not just words on a page. And it's not just something that is going to come after you die, right? Because if that was Jesus' central message, well, in many ways, it it was new. And it it was a a kind of a cutting-edge message. But just Jesus saying that there is a kingdom of God would not have been cutting-edge Right? That would not have been new information to say the kingdom of God is going to come you know, at some point, like after you die. You know, everyone believed that. Well, at least you know, the, the, the people uh, descended from Israel, the, the Jewish people, they believed that for sure. Right? But what was new was when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's arrived. It's right here. It's a reality that is available to everyone. That's what was new. Right? And that's what we want to experience. And maybe some of the ways that you can try to understand the kingdom, because I got to tell you, if you're not living in it, it's really hard to convince people it's real. But I want to show you what it's not first. And one of the things that we see in this world is that so many of us are just dissatisfied, unsatisfied by life, right? There's just so many things that, that we, we crave and we want within our souls and our minds, and we're always just reaching for these things. And no matter how much you get, we're just never satisfied. Friends, think about it. You know, think about where we are in 2022. I know life is not perfect, of course. And there are some people who are in different kind of financial situations and uh, economic situations. I totally get that. But on average, as a world, right, especially in the United States, we have never experienced this kind of prosperity, right? You know, just the amount of food, the kinds of food we can eat, right? Our, our, our access to uh, certain things that people would not have taken for granted. You know, some of the, the kinds of houses that we live in, the homes, the apartments, those kinds of things, uh, the automobiles, 
right? I mean, think about like a smartphone. It's just an amazing thing that you have this supercomputer that is in your pocket. Did you know that, I read this somewhere, and this just sounds like ridiculous, but I don't know, I read it somewhere, so I'm going to assume it's true, that uh, through the internet, each and every one of us has access to more information than President Clinton would have had in 1996, with all the top secret information that he had, right? We all, every single person who has a smartphone has more uh, access to information, right? I mean, I I just think about, like, as a kid, I remember um, we used to go and, like, uh, rent videos, and uh, we would go to, like, you know, Blockbuster, or, like, we'd go to our local Kroger, and we would rent videos, and it was, like, the greatest thing, and, man, it was so hard to pick what movie we wanted to watch, because there's so many good ones, and I, I, I was just like, oh, man, this is so awesome, you know, but I'd, like, watch, like, one video a month or something like that. Um, some of you guys know that I, I had COVID a couple weeks ago, and I was just wiped out, like, for the entire week, completely out of commission, and I, I, like, couldn't think straight anytime I would try to get up, like, the room would spin, so all I could do for a solid week was I just sat in front of my TV in isolation in my basement, and I just watched videos. I just watched movie after movie. I just watched shows, right? I, I, like any movie that, that crossed my mind, I was like, oh, I heard this was kind of good. Maybe. I would just watch it because I had nothing else to do. And just 24-7, just movie marathon. That's all I could do, right? And when I was a kid, man, I would have thought like, whoa, there's going to be a day where I can like watch like literally like any movie I want to watch just at my fingertips, just on demand. I don't need to go to a store. I don't need to pay for it. Well, I mean, you're paying for the streaming service, but you know what I mean, right? It's just at your fingertips. Anyone can do it. You know, I would, I would have thought that was paradise. And I got to tell you, for that week that I was sitting there just vegging in front of the TV, like some people I've told that to, and they're like, oh, must be nice. And It really wasn't. (laughs) It was really kind of miserable, you know? And this is one of the lessons we learn, is that all the stuff that we think is going to make us happy, it never makes us as happy as we think, right? Seriously, think of all the things that we've ever wanted, that you've ever wanted, that you've ever chased, right? I mean, I can tell you all these psychological studies, all these statistics about how we are never happy, it's never enough, how I've mentioned this before, that every single person, pretty much, if you ask them, how much money do you need, right? And this goes from millionaires and billionaires to people who are, you know, uh, living in the poverty line. Um, Everyone says about 20% more what they are currently making. And the lesson in that is you will never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. It'll never be enough right? You'll never have enough experiences. You'll never have enough fun. You'll never have enough technology. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough friends. You'll never have enough companionship, right? It will never, ever, ever be enough. And we see that. And the most prosperous state we have ever been as a people, and so many of us are bored and unsatisfied, right? Uh, I was thinking uh, when I was uh, preparing this message about that Rolling Stones song. Do you guys know that song, Satisfaction? I can't get no satisfaction. And they just keep saying that, right? But I was like listening to the lyrics um, last night and, and, you know, I I was paying a little more attention to it because I've heard this song many times before. But he keeps saying, because I try 
and I try, and I try, and I try, I can't get no. Okay, I'll stop singing. I'll spare you guys. But you can try, and 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 you can try. You'll never get satisfaction. Not through the world. It doesn't work that way. Why are we so unsatisfied? And actually, uh, the Rolling Stones uh, give us one hint as to why we're so unsatisfied. Um, so during the verse, which not as many people know, uh, he goes, when I'm driving in my car, when a man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. This world is constantly telling you, you need stuff, you need stuff, your life will be better. And then in another verse, he says, when I'm watching my TV and a man comes on and tells me how, wh- how white my shirts can be. And I was just thinking of like those detergent commercials. <gasps> Look at how white the shirt is. Look at how happy this woman is. Like, like seriously, I have never been that happy in my life especially not about laundry, right? But this is what the world is telling us. You can have things, and they're going to make you happy. If you get this, if you get that promotion, if you get into that school, if you get that spouse, you're going to be so happy. These are the messages you're always being told all the time. And there's no other game in town, so we all play along. And friends, I mean, you know this, right? You know this. You know there are billionaires, who are still completely unsatisfied. You know there are rock stars and celebrities and all these people who have all the fame and all the fortune and all the fun, and they're addicted to drugs. They're suicidal. They see no purpose in life, right? It's never, ever going to be enough, right? And maybe there's a different kind of uh, way to live. And again, friends, I want to convince you That if we were living in the reality of the kingdom of God here, not just when you die, because that (laughs) doesn't help you right now, right? But if we could live in that reality right now, it's going to be a different kind of experience of living, right? And we see that in Psalm 23, right? This is not just theoretical. At least it's not for the, the psalmist, for David. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Right off the bat, we see a difference in this kind of grasping world that we live in where we're so dissatisfied. I want this. I want this. How many of us can say, I shall not want? A couple years ago, uh, one of our college leaders you know, called me up and was like, Pastor Steve, I don't understand this. I shall not want. Aren't I supposed to want things? Isn't that just what life is? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to want things? But friends, I think what it's talking about here is this kind of grasping wanting, just always, like, just it's never enough, right? Because we already talked about this with the little ones, right? When it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. And, and by the way, uh, the, the way that that's uh, actually in the Hebrew, it's the waters of rest, right? Who can... What, what sheep can rest in grass? Because that's food, right? We mentioned that in the children's sermon, right? What sheep can just chill by the waters and just rest there, right? Ones that are completely satiated and satisfied, right? Friends, that is supposed to be the reality for us. And that's the question I have for you. That's maybe the most important thing I'll ask you this morning. Is that true of you? Because i got to tell you, even for people who have gone to church their whole lives, for myself at moments, right, living in this kingdom reality, it's not constant. 
Not until I get to be with Jesus forever, right? Face to face. You know, there are moments, there are moments where I think I, I, I've achieved that. I, I think that, that I've, I'm living into that reality. I mean, I'm not achieving it, right? It's a gift. It's a grace, right? But there are many moments where I'm not. If I'm being honest, friends, I'm not going to get up in front of you guys and tell you that I'm perfect. I'm always living in this kingdom reality. Friends, I get it. But I want you as well, if this is going to be any help to you, for you to be honest with yourself, are you living in this kind of reality where your needs are met, your soul needs, you're satiated? There's not that restlessness within you, that dissatisfaction, that, mm, what do I need? What, what, what should I buy? What should I watch? What should I do? Right? There's this feeling where we can't just be still. We, it's not enough. It's not enough. We always need something more, right? And to me, I think that is a sign that we are not living in direct connection with the kingdom reality, with the idea that God is the shepherd, right? Christ is the shepherd, and he's taking care of you, right? You're okay. He restores my soul. We're going to talk about what that means a little bit in, in a bit. He leads me in passive righteousness, and again, the Hebrew here is the right pass. He's leading me uh, in the right way for his name's sake. And friends, we have to acknowledge something here that is maybe part of the reason why we're not experiencing this reality, is the one part that probably all of us are not going to like. <laughs> There's a couple words there that, that ping for us if we're being really honest. And it pings in a negative way. You hear it and you're like, mm, you just fight it, right? You squirm against it. And that word is makes. <laughs> he makes me, right? Or at the, at the end of uh, this particular passage, he leads me, right? So friends, the idea of a sheep and a shepherd is the shepherd is guiding, and the sheep have to follow. The sheep have to follow. That's what they do, right? Otherwise, they don't belong to the shepherd, right? That's not their shepherd. If there's a sheep that, that just kind of like comes and is like hanging out, eats the grass, and just leaves whenever it wants to, guess what? That sheep does not belong to that shepherd. That's not, that, that shepherd is not the shepherd of this particular sheep. Right? And that's what happens for most of us. We want to live our lives our own ways. We don't want to live in rhythm. We don't want to live in alignment with where God wants to lead us. Right? And we want to decide what we get to experience. We want to decide what we want, and we go after those things, not the things that God is leading us to. Right? Do you hear this, friends? So that's the problem, is that the Lord is not truly our shepherd. Not in the sense of, of what it would have meant when we talk about a sheep and shepherd. Shepherd is leading, and the sheep are following. And the shepherd is here, and the sheep are close, right? They're going where the shepherd goes. They are just completely in reliance on that shepherd, right? And that is not a reality for most of us. So what do shepherds do? Well, friends, uh, you know, we already hinted at this, so this probably will come as no surprise. Shepherds protect, they provide, and they guide, right? And so, friends, what a lot of us hear in that is we hear, you're forcing us, you're making us, right? I'm not in control, right? But, friends, I, I want to ask you a question. When we try to get what we want, 
do we really get what we want? We already said, right, all these things that we're chasing, all these things that we thought were such good ideas that were going to make us happy, make us satisfied, right? You chased it, right? I mean, seriously, just think about, like, like just, just a, 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 you know, just maybe a silly example. But have you ever thought to yourself, I really want this cupcake? Or you look at the cupcake, you're like, oh, man, that cupcake looks awesome. And you eat it. And ultimately, you're like, it's not that good. <laughs> it's like pretty unsatisfying. You know? And that's kind of the experience of life for all of us. All of us, we, we, we think something is going to be super good, it's going to be super satisfying, and then never quite delivers, and never quite fulfills. Right? And so then we move on. And then we try to find the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, right? And that is when we are our own shepherd. That's the life we are living. We are our own God, right? And so, friends, whose kingdom are we living in? What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the place where the king's will is being enforced, right? The king's will is effective. It's changing how everything, you know, is, right? And that's the way we want to live. We want to be in control, Right? We want to be the kings and queens of our own lives. We want to be the gods of our, li- our own lives. Right? If I want to go here, I want to go here. If I want to do this, I want to do this. And you can't tell me what to do. Right? And it's not getting us what we want. Not ultimately. Because we're so unsatisfied. And we're so restless. And we're so anxious. And we're so depressed. And we're so lonely. If we're being honest, it's not giving us what we want. But if we can live in the reality of Jesus as the shepherd. I mean, friends, like, think about the, this list of things. Protection. Is that what we want? We want to feel safe? Right? It's one of the most basic human things. We're going to get into this a lot more when we talk about being led into the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Next week, we're going to talk about that. But this idea that we have a shepherd who is protecting us, you are safe. So much of what we try to do is so we can feel safe, right? We live in houses with security systems and locks and then gated communities and islands and whatever. We're trying to be safe. We're trying to keep all the threats out there. And the fact of the matter is, is that we can have a shepherd that will protect us. The shepherd provides for us. We, we think that we live in a world of scarcity, and so we're like, oh man, I got to fight and scrap for every single thing, right? And there's not enough to go around. And so I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I just need to be in charge of myself and get mine. But this idea that, you know what? Yes, you, you, you know, we're still going to have a job, right? We're going to still do these things. But if you fundamentally believe that you have a shepherd, you fundamentally not just believe here, but you know it here, there is a shepherd who's providing for you. You're not as desperate. You're not as grabby, right? You're not as needy. You're not as greedy because you know that this God is just so generous in giving and he will provide for you, right? It's one of the things we pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread that we can have enough for the day, not just our bread, but whatever we need, this shepherd is providing. This shepherd is guiding. How many of us are like, what am I supposed to do in life? Where am I supposed to go? And it's so hard to figure out on our own. But what if we just submitted ourselves to God, right? And instead of getting a roadmap, because that would mean that we're in charge and we're gods, right? That's what we want. And so many of us were like, okay, God, just tell me. Tell me exactly where I'm supposed to go and what my future is going to look like. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way it is with, the shepherd, with, with, with shepherds and sheep, 
right? Can you imagine a sheep going to a shepherd and being like, shepherd, where are we going? What's the plan, right? First of all, sheep is too dumb. Sheep doesn't understand. And, and, and so all the shepherd says is, hey, trust me, right? Just follow me. I'll take you to good places. You'll have plenty to eat. You'll have cool water. You'll be provided for. Don't worry. You're in good hands. And that's the way we're supposed to live our lives. We don't live our lives with the roadmap. We just have GPS. Right? You just follow wherever Jesus leads you. That's the life we're supposed to have. So friends, how can we live this life? How can we truly be satisfied? Well, there are probably so many things in that and to live into this reality of the kingdom, of the, uh, of the Lord truly being our shepherd, our king, the one in charge, right? But I just want to highlight a few things that especially come out in this passage and in scripture. Um, so number one, I think we need to remind ourselves of God's greatness. And we need to, um, I'll explain this in a little bit, but praise and ruminate on God and his kingdom. So the problem is, friends, that I could just tell you intellectually, the Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is the king. You're perfectly safe. And you won't believe me, right? Not really, right? This is the problem with so much of um, our lives, especially when it comes to faith, is that we think it is just about these like intellectual thoughts, like God is real, right? Or you have nothing to be afraid of, right? So I could tell you that. You could believe that. You could be like, I have nothing to be afraid of. And then you go into a dark alley, alley and it's completely just pitch black. And you hear like, uh, you know, a bottle break or something in the alley. And all of a sudden, what happens to that knowledge that was only up here? I am safe. I am perfectly safe. I am perfectly safe. God is in control. It's just out the window, right? Your, your heartbeat doesn't believe that because your heartbeat is doing something else. <laughs> your sweat glands don't believe that because you're sweating bullets, right? Your imagination, your brain doesn't believe that because you start imagining all these scenarios where you get murdered, right? You don't truly believe it, right? Not through and through. You don't know it. You don't know it in this real sense. And so there's so many things about the reality of God that they need to seep in and they need to go deep, right? And so that is what we're talking about. And, and so like, and you might know it for a moment, but we forget so easily. We're so forgetful. That's just one of the things of being a human being, right? You can, rem- like, like one day, you can just know, you can know in your bones that you are loved, you are saved, Jesus died for you, and the next moment, you could be acting as if there is no God. And you're just cosmic dust, No one cares for you, right? It's so easy to forget that. And so, man, we need that knowledge to go in deep to every fiber of our beings. And so we need to marinate in it, right? Remind yourself of God's greatness, right? And so praise is a great way to do that. You sing God's glory. You talk about God's greatness. And who are you singing to? Friends, I know we sing to God, and yes, bless God, you you know, but... Guess what? God already knows. (laughs) God already knows how great he is. We're the ones who need to be reminded. You're reminding yourself. And you need to remind yourself. Right? Ruminate on uh, the truth of God and his kingdom. So scripture, right? But I, I, I originally wrote ruminate on scripture. But 
I know what happens whenever I write something like that. Actually, the word is meditate. That's the word that's used in the Bible. But meditation has come to mean like, you know, like either this Eastern practice kind of thing, or we just think it's like deep thought. Mm, I'm thinking about it. I'm just crunching the numbers. You know, I'm thinking about that concept. And in the the, uh, Bible, when it talks about meditation, it's really talking about rumination. Do you know what uh, uh, ruminate means? Like, like the, the actual term means, it's like a, 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 an animal when it's like chewing on grass. And the grass, it doesn't go down so easy, right? And so it just chews on it, just over and over. We're going to be here for a while. It just, 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 it just right? It, it's just chewing on that cud for a really, really, really really long time. And this is what people used to do. This was the way, like there's no reading the Bible, right? Because there, there weren't, we wouldn't have Bible apps back then. There's no books, right? And so they would hear someone read from a scroll, right? Or in later times, they would hear a priest recite scripture and you would just remember it, right? And while you're in the fields plowing or you're walking to market, you would just remember again and again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the waters of rest. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. 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 Shepherd. Shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures, in green pastures, green, green, green pastures. And you're just chewing on the Word of God. You're just chewing on that kingdom reality. It sparks your imagination. It lives within your soul. Isn't that so different than the way that most of us think of reading Scripture? You just read it, you're like, I get it, and then you move on, right? But friends, that's not going deep. Right? What we need is we need this stuff to go deep. We need to know it. We need to know it. We need to eat it. Right? Um, you see this in Psalm 63. It says, because your steadfast love is better than life. I want you to see how earthy this is, how physical this is, how this isn't just some kind of spiritual thing or some intellectual exercise, but it's something experienced. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My soul will be satisfied. So many of us are unsatisfied. But here the psalmist is saying, my soul is just, it's full. Like with, the, with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate, ruminate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Friends, we are not just talking about doing a quiet time. We're not just talking about doing a daily scripture reading. We are talking about learning to live into that reality and doing what it takes so you remember it, so you know it, so it goes down deep, so you soak in it, so you marinate it, so you have the flavor of the kingdom in you. Have you ever had, you know, tried to marinate uh, 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 like a steak or something? 
And have you ever done this? You don't have enough time. You're like, oh, shoot, the, the recipe says I'm supposed to marinate this for eight hours. Well, I have two. And you just put the sauce on there. And then you fire it up on the grill. And, you know, if you were to compare that eight-hour soaked beef to the one that just had, had it just kind of like on the surface for a couple of minutes, they're not the same. It's never the same, right? Man, the one that's been marinated in it, it's just the sauce is in it. It's in every fiber of it, right? And that's what it's talking about in Psalm 63. Learning to let this kingdom reality, the truth of who God is. You're my king. You're in control. You love me. And I know that in every fiber of my being. At night, I'm thinking about it. Instead of on my phone just like watching some random show or something before I drift off uh, out of consciousness, I'm thinking about the truth of God. You know, maybe you're listening to a praise song that's reminding you of this kingdom reality. You're soaking in it. And it's just a part of you, right? Friends, something else we can do is we can give thanks for what we already have. Because a lot of us, we, we think we're living in a kingdom not of abundance and, 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 you know, the kingdom of God. But we're living in a kingdom of scarcity, of randomness, of not enoughness, right? And so sometimes, friends, when we pray even, I think that we're not praying in the spirit of the kingdom. We're praying in the spirit of fear, Right? Like, so when, when you ask for something, you're like, God, please give it to me. Like, I don't know if you are, but God, I need it. I need it. I need it. And you're so desperate for it. But look at what it says in Philippians 4, 6. It, it does talk about, you know, asking for things that you need. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I've preached on this before, but every time I read Philippians 4, 6, it's so weird with thanksgiving just seems to be slipped in there. And seriously, if you took out with thanksgiving, it would make more sense, at least like grammatically. I, I don't know, just the whole passage would flow better. But why is it in there? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Because I think that recognition is this idea that, you know what, you're already given so much. You're already being provided for. It's a reminder that there is a good God who has answered prayer, who is answering prayer, who will answer prayer, who has provided, who is providing, who will provide. You're not just praying to a genie. You're not just, it's not just a Hail Mary where you, you're in desperation. You're like, oh my gosh, God, will you give it to me, please? I need it. I need it. I need it. You know what you need? You need God. You need the provider, not his provisions. You need the Lord who's in control of everything, and you need that reality more. And thanksgiving is a way of rooting ourselves in that and reminding ourselves, whoa, God, you've already given me so much. It's not wrong to ask for things, but in the spirit of feeling like, you know, there's never enough, or God's not going to give it to me, or God, please give it to me, this kind of bargaining posture, that's not in the spirit of the kingdom. God is so given already. He's so generous. He provides already right? And we need to recognize whenever you ask for something, right? Like I said, what you need more is God. You need the provider more than you need the provision. And so thanksgiving is a way of not just making it uh, your prayers centered on what I need, what I want, but recognizing, God, you're there. 
And you are so good. I thank you for that. And, and I know I don't need to worry, right? It brings a different energy when you start giving thanks to God in all of that. And lastly, friends, I think what we need to do is rest in Christ. I know this is the one that like sounds the most obvious, but really if you think about it, it's the one that makes the least sense, at least in terms of practically how do we do this, right? I don't want this to be an intellectual exercise. I already told you that. I don't want to over-spiritualize this. I want us to realize what this actually means and how you can actually do it. How can you rest in Christ? Because it tells us he leads us beside waters of rest and he restores our soul. The soul, I think, is the key here, friends. Um, I can and probably will give a longer uh, message on the soul. It's something that's hard to describe to people. But I'll simply say this about the soul. The soul is the deepest part of you. It is the truest part of you. And it's the part that we most often ignore. Friends, do you ever, like, I don't know, like, like you see beautiful art. Or, or, or you're with your friends and, and, and you're just really enjoying their presence. And, and you're just feeling that love. And there's something within you that responds. Right? It gets moved. That part of you, I think, is your soul. It's so deep. Right? And, and, and do you ever see something that's just wrong? You see cruelty. You see injustice. And we say something like, that hurts my soul. Right? Some, something's not right with that. We, we all kind of know that we have a soul. But we don't always know how to get there. Remember, I just want to recall Psalm 63, where it's talking about my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. How do you get there? How do you satisfy your soul? Well, friends, uh, I I, I want to say that I think one of the things we say about the soul, and and we understand this on a, a, a very instinctual level, I think, is that the soul is deep. It is not shallow, right? Like, we even say that about some people. You, you meet someone who just seems, like, really wise or really loving. Like, man, they have a deep soul, right? The soul is deep, just by definition, right? It's not superficial. And what happens oftentimes is that we are not feeding the deep things. We're feeding the surface things. Right? Soul is satisfied as with the richest of foods, as with like good food. But have you ever like, I don't know, you're, you're like about to go out and you're going to have this awesome meal. Man, you're, you're going to have like, like, like a sushi feast or, you, you know, you're, you're going to go and get like really good steak. And have you ever been like so hungry that you make this mistake? You're like, oh man, there's like some gummy worms and some Doritos here. And I, I'm just so hungry. I'm just going to swipe a few of these. Have you ever done this before? And you eat the junky food, and then you get to the steakhouse, and you still feel the, the sugar of the gummy worms in your mouth. You know, there's still like that, that artificial powder of the Doritos is there. You know, and it just kind of ruins the flavor. Maybe you even sit down, and everyone's just enjoying the steak, and you're sitting there, and you're like, I can't eat this. I got a little bit of a stomach ache, you know? And I think that's what's happening to a lot of us. We are feeding on things all the time. We are feeding our minds and our souls, right? Well, it doesn't even get down to the soul level. But we are feeding ourselves with things that are just junk food. 
all the time. Instagram and YouTube and all these movies and things that we watch, all this entertainment, right? All the news stuff, all the social media, right? Even superficial conversations, these things. It, it, it's, I'm, I'm not saying any of these things are bad, friends. But I'm saying in many ways that if you just fill your life and your attention and your time with these things and you don't get down to the deeper level, your soul will not be satisfied. Does that make sense? Does that make sense why so many of us are dissatisfied all the time? Because we're ruining our appetite with junk food, right? We're eating all of these other things, right? And by the way, we eat it as if it is going to satisfy us. And then we're surprised when it doesn't. And friends, I got to tell you, we need to stop being surprised, right? By all means, eat the junk food. Just don't kid yourself. That's not a steak, right? Don't kid yourself, right? I mean, I still enjoy watching shows. This message isn't become a monk and never enjoy anything ever again, right? It's simply to say those things will not touch the soul, right? I mean, so this is what you do, right? If you want to eat junk food, you know what you got to do? Eat the steak first. Eat the steak first. And if you eat the steak, then you'll probably be satisfied. You'll be like, man, this is awesome. And then when everyone else is like, I'm so hungry, and they're eating Doritos and garbage, right? You're like, I'm good. I don't need it. I don't need it. And if you have just one little potato chip, it's totally fine, right? You can just enjoy it, right? And this is what we find with people who are able to get real soul nourishment, is that in some ways, friends, you can enjoy the stuff of life, the junk food, all this stuff. In some ways, you can enjoy it more. Why? Because you're, you're not pretending that's a steak, right? You, you, you've already been satisfied by what's real. And so this is just, it's just dessert, right? It's just a little treat that you can enjoy. You watch a show, hey, watch a show. And maybe you can just watch that one show and go to bed and just be completely fine. Instead of like, I need something, I need something, I need something, I don't know what it is, but I got to keep watching, I got to keep looking, right? And so friends, um, I want to read this quote from, uh, this is a, a, a Quaker writer. His name is Parker Palmer. And he wrote this. The soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, savvy, self-sufficient, and yet exceedingly shy. If we want to see a wild animal, the last thing we should do is to go crashing through the woods, shouting for the creature to come out. But if we are willing to walk quietly into the woods and sit silently for an hour or two at the base of a tree, the creature we are waiting for may well emerge. And out of the corner of an eye, we will catch a glimpse of the precious wildness we seek. And friends, I've heard many people say this, so I'm not just using this quote as a be-all, end-all. You know, that this isn't the Bible, right? I've heard so many people say the soul is shy. The soul is shy. You know, in many ways... Um, kind of makes sense why in the Bible it talks about stillness so much, right? Seeking God in the quiet places, right? Hearing the voice of God like a still, small whisper. And this world is so noisy. It's so noisy. It's just that, that surface level stuff, that junk food, right? It's keeping you from listening to your soul. And this is part of the reason why Silence and stillness and solitude is the foundation of Christian practice. It has been for thousands of years. And then in the last 500 years, we've gotten really heady, 
We've gotten really intellectual. It's about reading and studying the Bible. I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. But I'm saying that if you read and study the Bible in the spirit of fear, in the spirit of this world, you're going to experience it in the spirit of the world. You're not going to experience it in the spirit of the kingdom, right? Which is going to take some stillness, some quietness. So friends, we could do this. We could do this right now to just take a moment. Um, And I'm just going to, I'll show you the cute little sheep. (laughs) Remind yourself of the kingdom heart, of this sheep that is satisfied. It's had enough to eat. It's had enough to drink. You can just lay down and just, just chill with the master. You can just be still. It doesn't need to seek for these other things. And friends, we have been so trained to seek for the noisy distractions that it's so hard for us to sit still and to take just a moment to just let everything settle and maybe just let the soul emerge, Right? And sometimes you can combine some of the things we're talking about. We can be still, and if you just start getting a little fidgety, just start reading, ruminating, meditating on the Word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? And then after you read it for a couple times, you feel yourself kind of still a little bit, just be silent, just be still, just rest, right? What was the step, right? I said it, it sounds hard and it sounds obtuse, but it's not. It's just rest in Christ, Just be still. Just be still. Just know. Just know you are cared for. Just know that God is the king and he is in control. And experience that by resting. You can just rest. You can just chill. You don't need to make it happen. You don't need to control. You don't need to, you know, manipulate. Right? Just chill. Just be still. Right? And maybe you can alternate in that Thanksgiving too. You start getting a little jittery and you can be like, God, thank you so much for my life. Thank you so much that I have breath in my lungs. Thank you so much for my family. Thank you, God, so much for this day. Thank you so much for this church. Thank you. Thank you. And as you're in that gratitude, just rest again. Just rest. You're good. You're held. You're supported. The Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. You don't need to crave. You don't need to seek. You don't need to grab for these things. You can just be still. You can experience that. And bring that into everything that you do. Uh, Hadam, can you come up? Let's just rest for a moment. This is so good. It's so good, friends. Maybe for some of us, you feel a little jittery. Just go to some of those other steps. Just start thanking God. Just look down at the Psalm 23. You know? Just take a moment. Just chill. Just chill. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. God, we are so grateful for your love and care over our lives. And as Jesus pronounced to us 2,000 years ago, but it is still a reality that your kingdom is here and it is available. We can live in it. We can experience it as a reality for our minds, our souls, our bodies, all that we are. We need that deep soul rest. We are so restless until we find our rest in you, O Lord. And God, I pray for each and every one of us. We will learn more and more to practice, to attune ourselves into this kingdom reality, to align ourselves, to not force it so much, but just gently learn to rest in your love, in your care, 
every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.